It really is wonderful to be back and to see everybody. And I am excited about this morning and what I have to say about this morning. Just a quick note about Surprise Satole because some of you are thinking, who is that? Such an, a funny note. The very first time Surprise came and ministered here, Rory was leading the church. And they did a, a, a kind of a slide for it, for, for the event or the moment. He ministered on a Sunday morning. And if you think of his name, Surprise, and then Satole, I don't have to, you don't have to use your imagination that if you swap one or two letters, that word can be not cool. And that's what they did. <laughs> On the slide. It started with SH. So um, they, got the, they got the letters mixed up. And by the time it was up, it was too late. It was, get that slide down, get that slide down. Too late. It was printed. It was all done. Anyway, that was, that's been my, <laughs> whenever I think of surprise at all, it's like, make sure the spelling's right, guys. Anyway, but uh, surprise is an amazing man. Um, he is characterized by planting churches. He's a pioneer. He's a prophetic man. But he's a wonderful presence of God man. So he's this, he's this man that loves the presence of God and loves to see God move. He's had incredible favor around the world. Um, he's in Nelspruit. He's, he's kind of based in Nelspruit. And through a number of relationships, Sharon in particular through this time is kind of is arranging his trip in Durban this time. We've got him for a moment. We've got him in some smaller meetings as well. But we've got him kind of in, on the Sunday evening. We're inviting other churches to come and be with us as well. So it is going to be an amazing time. And uh, he, he ministers by telling stories, actually. He, he preaches by just telling stories and allowing God to move with the stories that he tells. So I really do encourage you to be there. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, we'll keep updating you about that. But uh, we're back in uh, 1 Thessalonians. So if we can go there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. 1 to 12. I really would uh, appreciate your prayers. As I said, one of our, our really good family friends was, was murdered this week, and I do his memorial on Wednesday at City Hill Church, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people there. And uh, you know when you go back home, and then, you do, and then you're now preaching, but many of those guys didn't know me as a preacher. They knew me as a naughty guy. So um, it is a wonderful moment where I see all my old mates, and uh, I look at them sometimes and I think, Lord, what happened to me and what happened to them? It's like the money fairy came to them and missed me. <laughs> you know, like, what happened here, you know? And, um, but it's a wonderful opportunity because many of them haven't lost the faith, but as, as I've been talking, they've lost faith. They don't live by faith. Um, some of them divorced. Some of them got brilliant businesses and have done very well, but actually... But faith, Jesus is kind of one of the options. And uh, just, it's a great moment to be able to, to serve the Aiken family, but also just to preach the gospel in a, in a moment like that to my mates and uh, bring comfort to the family at the same time. So, it's going to be a big moment. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Why is this thing so... Ah, there we go. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had suffered, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, 
But with the help of God, we dared to tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. If we catch up on the story for those that are new to the series, this is the book of Thessalonians. Paul had been in Philippi and he had been persecuted, he had been tortured, he had been, he had been, uh, they'd got him, they'd pulled his clothes off, they'd whipped him, they tortured him, they put him in jail and, um, for preaching the gospel. They'd got jealous and uh, they'd actually, they'd, 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 some business guys had got, because he had delivered a woman that had a, a demonic spirit, which took away the business of a businessman. And so they created an uproar and they put him in jail. And so he had to flee from that city and he went to Thessalonia, to Thessalonica. And so that's what he, he's saying. I, I was treated outrageously in Philippi, but with the help of God, I continued to preach the gospel to you. Notice what he says there. I dared to tell you his gospel. Some translations say the gospel of God. I dared to tell you the gospel of God in, face, in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our heart. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put a mask, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though, as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you, or we were, like, we were gentle among you. The translators are unsure. Is it like children, or is it were we gentle among you? Could go either way. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to be a, not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So they've got into, they've preached, he's preached the gospel into the Thessalonian city. Some people have got saved. He's then actually had to run out of Thessalonica as well because the Jews have got jealous now. And he's left there, he's gone to Athens, and, he's got, and, and what he's done in Athens, he's sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to make sure that they're doing well. He's worried about them. And in the meantime, he's moved on to, to Corinth, and he writes this letter from Corinth as Timothy's now come back and told them how the Thessalonians are doing. So he writes this letter back to them. And he is very concerned about their well-being because they're under a lot of persecution, 
and he's worried that the gospel is going to, is, is not, go, uh, he's, he wants to make sure that the gospel is taking root and lasting in their lives and moving forward in their lives. And he's worried he's not there to continue to pastor them and to urge them forward. And he comes, they come back with a very good report that they're standing strong and they're doing well. But there's some things that kind of are not well. There's some theological things. There's some stuff that he needs to be corrected, which come into the later chapters. But one of the things that's, that appears to be happening is that Paul is getting criticized in his absence. He's being discredited by those, the Jews that are there. So if you want to discredit the message, all you do is you discredit the messenger. If you discredit the messenger, discredit the message. And Paul is worried that he is being discredited, but he's not worried for his sake. He's worried that the message will get discredited, and so the Thessalonians' faith will be in trouble. So part of this verse, these few verses, you can see by his responses how he's being discredited. And you can see kind of what's happening in the background there by what he tells them about himself and how he ministered. So this is a little cameo of ministry and the minister. So you want to know about how ministry should happen and how ministers should be? This is it. You want to join a church where this is the case? If this is not the case, don't join that church. This is, this is a, a little snapshot of how ministry and ministers are meant to conduct their, their lives. And you kind of see his defense and pick up, uh, you pick up the accusations in his defense. And you, you can see there he's, he, they, he's, they're saying he's untrustworthy because he's got a police record. He, he was locked away. How can you trust the guy that was put in prison? He's trying to say, actually, I went through a lot of hardship. And I was, and I was falsely judged because of this, this gospel. They're telling, they're telling him that he, that he was delusional. You can't trust his message. They're, they're telling they're, his, that his motives were impure. That he deliberately deceived people. That he was full of deceit. That he, um, that he preached to please people and not God. That he, uh, that he ministered purely for the sake of what he could get out of it materially, financially. He was a greed. He was about greed. He was about money. These were some of the accusations that were, that were coming at Paul. That he wanted personal glory. That, um, that he was something of a dictator. That he was kind of telling them what to do. And, and so Paul writes back with this, these short verses in defense of his ministry, but more than that, in defense of the gospel that he preached. So that he could so that they would not lose faith in this Jesus that they had put their faith in. So, three things about message, about ministry and ministers. Our message is the first thing I'm going to talk about. Our motive is the second thing I'm going to talk about. And then our third thing I'm going to talk about is the manner. So the message, the motive, and the manner, just three things that we see from, from these small, this short portion of scripture. So when it comes to the, me, the message, the first thing I want to say and highlight is that short word, the gospel of God. 
I didn't, I, I came to proclaim to you, I, I, dared, I, I dared to proclaim his gospel or the gospel of God. And you see it's mentioned three times there in that text. Friends, when we minister, because it's not just me ministering from the front leading a church, it's our ministry as a church, as ministers of the gospel. Remember, biblically, we all ministers of the gospel. My role in the kingdom, in the priesthood, is to do my job as an elder in the church, to be a shepherd in the church. But we all ministers of the gospel. And in, in, in a sense, we all are in ministry. So this is helpful for all of us, but particularly those that feel like they're called to ministry or called to minister in a, in a, in a specific office or a specific role. It's his gospel, it's the gospel of God. And he says, with his help, I was courageous enough and dared to tell you the gospel. So this is wonderful because if, it's his, if we remember that it's his gospel and it's the gospel of God, that comes with his help. So whatever we're doing in God comes with his help. So it's a wonderful thing to understand that the message that we carry is not our message, it's God's message. It's not our good news, it's God's good news. It's not our gospel, it's God's gospel. And so when we bring it, we are simply stewards of the good news of God. We, we're simply stewards of the good news that Jesus is, because of Jesus' coming, because of Jesus' life, because of Jesus' burial, because of Jesus' death, because of Jesus' resurrection, and because of Jesus' ascension, and because Jesus poured out his spirit on Pentecost, there's new life for everybody that puts their trust in him. That's his gospel. And when we preach that gospel, it comes with his help. It comes with his power. It comes with his anointing. It comes with his backing. It comes with the resource of heaven. The message is about his gospel. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. See, the message is about him. It's not about us. It's not some self-help message. It's not something that's going to pick your life and it's about him and us being reconciled back to him and being the best human that we can be because that's how God designed humans to be in relationship with him, walking in the cool of the day with him, living under his shadow, living with him, living in his presence, being aware of him, living with him in mind. It's his message. It's not about us. It's about him. All ministry in the church has got to be about him. As soon as it becomes about the minister, it gets faulty. As soon as it becomes about the minister and the minister's needs, it becomes faulty. As soon as it becomes about the minister and the minister's money, it gets faulty. Friends, I want to say categorically, the man of God syndrome that is in Africa is completely faulty. 
It's not about the man of God. It's about God. That one truth that has been distorted, that one truth has put so much destruction into the life of the church and, 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 and sucks so much life out of the life of the church, the believers in the church. Where because now, because you've got a man of God, where are the people of God? What are the people of God doing? We're the ministers of God when you've only got one minister of God. The message is about him and the means comes from him. That's the message. That's all I want to say about that. The second thing though, it's the message in ministry and the message of the minister but the second thing I want to talk about, a little bit more about, is the motive of ministry and the motive of the minister. Now, this is a very important one because if you can, if you can question the motive, you have cancel culture. If you can, if you can, if you can destroy my intent... See, as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher of the gospel, all I've got is my integrity. I have, the, I have the resource of heaven, but what people see is who I am. If you destroy my integrity, you put into question my character, you put into question my motive, there's no reason to follow me or the message that I bring. Our motive is so important, friends. And the people out there, the unbelievers, the people that are still yet to believe in Jesus are looking for somebody to put their faith in. And so often they'll put their faith in somebody before they'll put their faith in Jesus. And that's why faith is such an important thing. If we put our faith in Jesus, people are looking for something. And if they don't know Jesus, they're going to put their faith in something. Everybody, everybody lives by faith. Everybody lives by faith. We went up to, went up the north coast this, over this holiday. Went, we were for a three, two or three days. And you know, you kind of travel on that uh, single carriageway by two directions. And you kind of drive along and the people are coming this way fast and you think, oh my God, you put in your faith and everybody's going to stay on the right side of the road. Have you ever thought of that? Every now and again, I think, oh, I hope these guys stay on the right side of the road because if they don't, we're done. You know, by faith, you drive on that carriageway by faith that everybody is going to follow the rules of the road. That's a stupid example. Silly, simple. But everybody lives by faith, friends. Ultimately, what we want to do is we want people to put their faith in Jesus because he's the ultimate reality that we can put our faith in that determines all of our life. But often what comes first is people will put their faith, will put their trust in a person first. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul says. And slowly but surely, you've got to take them and put their off of you and put them back into Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. I will disappoint you. I'm human. He won't.
But friends, our motive is so powerful in our ministry. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, for, we, for we, the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Error means delusion or deception. I'm not a looney tune. I'm not delusional. Super spiritual people, when they minister, act like looney tunes. I'm sorry to say. Friends, a normal person looks at that and thinks, oh my gosh, how can I put my faith in that? You follow Jesus? If you're following Jesus and that's what you like, I don't want Jesus. It's delusional. It's super spiritual. No reality, not grounded. Faith, friends. And must I tell you when people see your faith is when you're in trouble, when you're grieving, when you're in loss, when you're suffering. How do you respond? What do you do? See, Paul, he's trying to say here, this, we, the appeal that we made to you was not with error. It wasn't delusional. It wasn't with deception. It, I wasn't trying to deceive you in any way. You know that. And he says that before that. He says, you knew that it wasn't, it didn't come in vain. It came with fruit. You knew my, your lives were changed. You knew your lives were changed by the power of God. Hope sprung up in you. Faith sprung up in you. Love sprung up in you. These things came into your life. The gospel was preached. These things were evidence of it. It says also, nor, nor did they spring from impure motives. And when he talks about impure motives, he talks about moral impurity. That's what it means there. Sexuality or greed. And he's saying, when I did this, in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, talking to the Corinthians, says, unlike so many, we did not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak about God more since uh, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Friends, that's why we don't talk much about money in this church. We should speak more about money, actually, because it's part of our discipleship process. But one of the things I don't want is I don't want new people to come into this church and think that we are looking for their money. Even the way we do the offering is kind of very subtle. It's not a great way to do the offering. If you want more money, that's not a great way to do the offering, all the, all the, the fundies tell you. But you see, we've never, this is not about, it's not about money. And it's certainly not about money for me. I keep myself completely away from the finances as much as I can. I don't have anything to do with the offering. I don't touch money. I don't do anything. People come and want to give me money because they've missed the offering. I say, please go and give it to Dawn. Purely because I don't want to know who what gives, what gives where, because I never, ever want that accusation that greed has come into my heart in any form or manner. Our salaries are, are checked by people outside of us so that, we, so that we're here. We're not living in cuckoo land trying as best as we can to make sure that our motives for ministry are good and stay good. 
And you know how easy it is, friends, when you start to get older, you start to think the church owes you something because you've paid a price. I tell you what, friends, nobody knows anything to anybody. Nobody owes me anything. Jesus paid the price for me. And Jesus paid the price for you. Nobody, nobody owes us anything, friends. All we can do is stand before God and say thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being involved with people's lives. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, of leading people to Jesus. Thank you for the privilege, Lord. It's not easy, but I thank you, Lord. He goes and he says, and nor are we tricking you. Nor are we tricking you. We're not, we're, not, we're not bringing the gospel to you with some sly, manipulative way. That word used outside of the scriptures is used by, of trapping an animal by baiting it. This is why Paul is so strong with, it's not wise and persuasive words. It's amazing in the church today how people use words. And they take words that don't mean they put it like a new meaning to a word. So it used to mean something and now it means something else. And you use the word provocatively to try and get people's attention or whatever. But it kind of traps you and kind of, what, what are you talking about here? That word doesn't mean that. Like you, it's, it, it, it's, it's baiting. It's not, he, Paul says this, I came to you not with wise and persuasive words. I came with a demonstration of the power of God. I came with trusting God that when the gospel is presented, God would do something in your hearts. If God doesn't do it, friends, it never stays done. It never stays done. And he's saying the way that this thing works is we're not here to, to, to come with all sorts of tricks. We have to trust God. We have to trust God. We have to be authentic and real. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. If it did happen, we thank God and we rejoice. We don't try to pop it up, rip it up, make it happen, make it and build it up. Say somebody was healed, but they weren't. Or they were, and then three weeks later, we find that they're worse than what they were before. So, so harmful. And actually what Paul's saying here, he's saying, actually, when I came to you, I didn't come with a deluded gospel I came to you with a pure gospel. I didn't come with impure motive and I didn't come with tricks. I came with the spirit of God because I carry the gospel of God. I carry his gospel and I trust him. Friends, when you with your friends at work, it's his gospel, not your gospel. Just trust God. Let the time be the right time and just bring the love of God and the gospel of God to people and trust him. He carries on in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. He says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery nor did we put a mask on to cover up greed. God is our witness. He's trying to, he's trying to tell them, hey guys. He goes on to say a little bit further on. He says, do you not know I work night and day? I didn't take money from you. We worked and we ministered at night. Even though I had apostolic authority to demand, to, to, to require finances from you and honor from you, although I had that authority, I never used it 
because I wanted you to know that our motive and our, uh, the reason why we're doing this was for him, not for anything else. He says we were approved by God. He was tried, they've been tried and tested. That's what proved. They were proved by God and they were approved by God. They were tested by God and God gave them a stamp, yes. And unfortunately, that proving or that testing came with a lot of suffering for Paul. So when Paul says that, he means it. I'm still here. I've still dared to preach the gospel with courage, even though I've been humiliated and treated so badly. And I was entrusted with the gospel, he says. That word entrusted is the word faith. You know what he's saying? He said, God had faith in me. You know, God's got faith in you to preach the gospel. God continually trains and tests and wants to approve us for more. But friends, I want to tell you, God has faith in us. He's entrusted us. He's put out his trust in us to take the gospel forward. The church, not me, the church. As much as we're going to put our faith in God, God says, now what I want to do is I'm going to put my faith in you and trust you to take this message. I don't know if I put my faith in me, but God does. That's his grace. Powerful. This is the love of the Father. Believing in us, trusting us, saying you can. I want, I want people to know about me, God says, Jesus says. So I'm gonna trust my church to make me known to them. I'm gonna put, the fa- I'm gonna put my faith in the church to make me known to them. How's that? That's what he says. He says, I'm not trying to please people. I'm not trying to please people, I'm trying to please God. I never came to try and please you. You guys have been in sexual sin. You've lived in a depraved city. I didn't come and say that everything was right. I came and told you that God loved you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, your life will change. And your life will change not because I told you to lie. Your life will change. Your life will change because the love of God will change your life. He says, I'm not accepting who you are now, but God accepts you. God accepts you as you are, but never leaves you as you are. And, and that, he, he's saying, I, I didn't come here to please you. I came here to please God. You see, when I'm pleasing people, it's all about me, friends. When I'm pleasing people, actually, it's all about me. I'm the center. When I'm pleasing God, it's actually all about people. And when I'm serving and loving people, it's all about God. Paul's trying to say, hang on, guys, my motive my motive is pure, and you know it. You've experienced me. You live with me. I never use flattery. Flattery, the, the dictionary says, is excessive and insincere praise, given especially to further one's own interests. The reason why we flatter people, and there's a fine line between flattery and honor. You want to value people, but that can move across where you actually start to flatter people. And the reason why we flatter people is because of we want to be it's for our own honor, for our own benefit. We want to look, we want to feel valued by them. So you talk well about them in their company, but maybe not so well about them when you're not in their company. He says, I never use flattery. I didn't come to please you. And neither did I wear a mask to cover up greed. Neither did I do all this and kind of say, oh, well, it's not about the money, but actually it was. 
says, our, our motive was pure. And you knew about it. You knew that. And the proof of that, it wasn't about money, is that we worked for our money. We didn't take anything from you. Our friends, the kingdom needs money to plant churches, to move, to do, for us to run, for our, we need money. But never manipulated. We always say this in this church. We want willing, cheerful, and generous givers. If it's not willing, don't. If it's not cheerful, don't. And grow in generosity as you give. At every level, wanting to please God above, above man is the motive of the minister. At every level. See, it's about people and not about the minister. See, the fruit of this, it's about the people, it's not about the minister. That's why I'm saying the man of God thing is so destructive. Because it becomes about the man of God. Have you got a seed? Is there a seed? Have you got a seed? Can you put a seed? Bring a seed. Have you got faith for a seed? Listen, friends, I'm mocking, but this is wrong. Have you got faith for a seed? My question is, to the man of God, where's your seed, dude? Why, everybody else might have a seed for faith, for your ministry. Where's your seed? How does this work? Actually, you called to serve the people. How are you putting your seed into the people? Yeah, but they must put the money and I put the word. Oh, really? Now, that's your job, called by God, privileged by God. Be careful how that transaction works. I want to tell you, friends, motive. It's about the people, not about the minister. If, the, if you come away from a service and you think, wow, Stan, that was awesome. And not, wow, Jesus, thank you. I'm disappointed. This is about Jesus. That was an amazing sermon. What did he say? I don't know, but it was amazing. Fruitful ministry is about serving people, but, not, but, but being a servant of God, not the people. This is the, this is the tricky part of ministry. Fruitful ministry is about serving people, but being a servant of God, not of the people. Fruitful ministry is about loving people in truth, where Jesus and the kingdom are the center of that truth. We're not servants of people, but we serve people. We're servants of God. And when we get that mix wrong, we start to please people rather than God. Motive and ministry is so powerful. And lastly, just quickly, the manner of ministry. Boldness in the face of suffering. Great boldness in the face of suffering was his testimony. You treated, they treated me shamefully. They ripped my clothes off. They beat me. They imprisoned me. But I preached the gospel. Courage of his convictions. I end with these three things. The style of his leadership is so informative. Because he says this, he says, you know I was children, I was like children among you, but I was also like a mother, a nursing mother that took care of you. But I was also like a father that encouraged and comforted and urged you to be, because you're worthy of a God who called you into his kingdom and glory. So he, he was in all three of those things. You, you, I was gentle and like a child with you. 
So he was just one of them. So when you walked into the room, you wouldn't know who the apostle was. Who's the leader? I don't know. You're just one of them. And I was gentle. I was gentle. I wasn't overbearing. I was compassionate. I was gentle. I was trying to be gentle and caring and loving as much as I can. Just gentle and just like a child among you. But I wasn't only that. I was like a mother, like a nursing mother taking care of a child. See, this is what ministers are like. You're one of and in the mix. But you're also like a mother, like a nursing mother. I'm always amazed in elders' meetings when Aunt Jan has got a baby, Maisie. And um, whenever she's with Maisie, she always thinks she's so cute. It's like, and she is cute. I'm not saying that. But let me tell you, at three o'clock in the morning, she's not cute. (laughs) I know. In fact, I'm a big proponent of breastfeeding. Because then, I can't. (laughs) Trick, guys, just a little trick. (laughs) Then I can't do that. Bottle feeding, uh oh, I can. But, um, but, she'll come in and and Maze will do something and she'll be like oh she's so cute and just this love this nursing mom to her child there's like a cute gene in a mom for a baby it's not there with the dad but in a mom it's got this cute gene just keeps coming back always attentive the smallest little cry, the tone of the cry. The volume of the cry means different things. The little gurgle, the little thing, oh no, she wants this. I'm like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? No, she wants this. Oh, you like a baby whisperer. (laughs) Yes, I'm a mom. I'm a nursing mom. Sacrificial, inconvenient at any time. Pick up the baby, feed the baby. Doting, present. See, this is what ministry is about. It's very difficult. It's very difficult for me to be a doting mom. God, give me grace, Lord. Help me to love your people, Lord. Like a nursing mom. But not only a nursing mom, like a father. Very different way we get loved by our father. Encouraging, comforting, urging, charging. Other translations say exhorting, encouraging, charged. Pleaded, encouraging, urged. I've loved you like a father. Stronger language. It's strong language. It's It's not caring, nurturing. It's come, guys. Stop that now. We've got to move forward. Do you know that you called into the kingdom of his glory? I I, I need you to move on. I want to urge you. I want to exhort you. I want you to pull back from that and I want you to move into here. The the, the scriptures require you. The spirit of God requires you. Jesus requires you. The Father's heart. And all three of these things, the minister ministers. 
So at one time you're sitting around a bra and you're laughing and joking. And another time you're sitting and you're crying because you're a mother doting. And another time you're urging and correcting and rebuking. It's all part of ministry. It's all part of shepherding. This is how ministries happen. It's all familiar language. Because the heart of a minister is like a parent. And this is what's so difficult. When we try our hardest to be like this, is it's highly relational. Because you give yourself, not just your service. You give your heart and your affection. And that doesn't always work out well. And it's hard, it's painful at times. It's painful when people leave. It's painful when people reject. It's painful when people backstab. It's painful, it's painful, 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 painful. But you cannot stop doing that because that's, the, that's, that's how ministry is meant to happen. Stop giving your heart, put a hard heart to the people, get a hard heart towards God, no fruitful ministry. This is how we're meant to minister, friends. It's hard. But the love of God, the grace of God, infuses every part of what we do all the time. And Paul says, this is how I was among you. This is how I was among you. Don't let that come and discredit me. The message is real. Jesus is real. The fruit is real. Keep charging forward. The kingdom is real. Keep going strong. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. <laughs>